All right, partner. You know what time it is. Yeah! What? I can do it in biceps. In biceps. Biceps to breakfast. Welcome to Five Steps to Fred Durst, where we find Fred Durst and you follow us along. My name is Peter. Aaron is here on the line joining us. Hey, Willie's on the mic, baby. Hey, Willie's on the mic. Pete on the mic. Uh, mm-hmm. We are very happy to be back. It's been yeah, it's been, it's been been a been a bit of a hiatus. My you know, we went been, uh, up has been down, left has been right. I've been yep. very lost without my Fred Durst. Yeah, we've been. I, I was gonna say, I feel like we've been we've been uh, we've gone almost as much between podcasts as like Limp Biscuit has their between their last two album breaks. Nice, nice transition, Aaron. Into yeah, we, we, first topic. Yeah, uh, we shoe we shoehorn here. We shoehorn here. We shoehorn straight into the album "Limp Biscuit Still Sucks" by Limp Biscuit. This mm-hmm. album's release makes this a very, very special episode of this podcast. Uh, yeah, there's kind of the whole mini, uh, mini Limp revival. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I don't even know if it's a revival, but it's like you know, for a few weeks there. People, you know, people were talking. There was some limp course. There was you know? limp course for sure. There was some limp course. Yeah. Did you watch the Lollapalooza performance? I did. I watched all of it live. It was yes. so good. I I I thought it was pretty. Yeah. I I didn't think I didn't think Fred looked super like I don't know engaged or whatever. But I was like, you know what? This is, and I'm sure some people who are more cynical or whatever, and maybe rightfully so, will say this is. This is just kind of lame, and they're just trying to. It's a bit. It's all a publicity stunt or whatever. But I'm like, you know what? This is certifiably a lot different than whatever you know. I I don't know whatever DJ drop is happening on Perry stage or whatever. You know, like I, it, it's definitely not. Uh, yeah, I remember asking my friend about uh, my my friend who's uh, a little bit younger than us. Um, he's probably three or four years younger. And he really likes music, but he's kind of into more, a little more kind of contemporary hip hop and EDM and stuff. Um, and he, I, I think I asked him, I'm like, yo, man, he was at Lala. I was like, yo, man, you at Limp? <laughs> he's like, what's Limp? No. But I'm, like, but I'm like, that's like, man, that's. There is a small generational divide. There of, is. And I think. Like those few years that separate like people who grew up listening to Limp Biscuit and people who like were not really. <laughs> know <laughs> anything about yeah we're definitely we're definitely on the tail end we're definitely maybe even outside the tail end of it we just happen to kind of again like 90s music and stuff or whatever but yeah and i'm not gonna gatekeep new metal by no 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 like it was huge it was really huge yeah it was a moment uh, you know and, and then like some the people we were kids it kind of started to die down so like the kids who were, yeah kids who were even kids younger us probably kind of missed it but it was it was just it was just funny because I'm like you know what like him saying like who's limp, that's that's great because you know there were like, do you know there were like ten thousand people there who were like who's limp, yeah like at the like, like who's limp Which you know and like so surprised and like really delighted that Lollapalooza headlined Limp Biscuit for their like big return <laughs> after not doing it in 2020. Yeah, and you know like all these festivals like really. Like the lineups at most of them, even the ones I like, I will concede, especially the bigger corporate ones, like are pretty generic. Like you have some interesting bookings here and there, 
But like that was one where I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not limp. I guess I do have a Fred Durst podcast, so maybe I am limp's number one supporter out here in 2021. But like, I'm like, you know what? You know, you're not gonna see, you're not gonna see limp at Governor's Ball or something. Like, well, you no. just <laughs> like I was just, I do wonder, like, for the however much they paid Limp Biscuit to be there, like, what they definitely could have signed a different like pop artist that is like more radio contemporary radio. yeah and the maybe it was like a recognized by more Lollapalooza goers but they like really yeah but on the <laughs> biscuit move which is yeah. awesome and i think live nation does Lollapalooza, so i'm not trying to say anything positive about live nation <laughs> yeah or well, especially especially in november of especially in november of 2021 but no, yeah that's uh, but yeah that that was one that was one where i was like that was one where i was like okay you know what like this is at the very least again at the very least, this is not a band that is playing any of these other pop. They are playing like Rocklahoma, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, and uh, others. other stuff kind of more in the, the 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 that was more kind of with their contemporaries. The you know the kind of the the, the Godsmack circuit mm-hmm. um, or whatever you call it. But yeah, it's cool. It's just funny to think that that would be at kind of a mainstream festival. I thought the performance was really awesome. I was like, I got really like excited uh, hmm. the entire time watching hmm. Fred Durst. Like, uh, I don't know, because it it was him. Like, he had to like appeal to like the 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 new metal fans who came out specifically to see Limp Biscuit and the like, however many Lala Palooza goers that didn't mm-hmm. know about Limp Biscuit, like you said. Um, and I think it looked just very very fun. And he he they they could have played songs from their new album to like hype their new album, mm-hmm. which I mean I guess part of playing the show is hyping their new album, regardless. But they literally just played straight bangers. Yeah, well that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna do. I mean I feel like at a festival set you gotta you're not you're not there's a little more broad. I mean it's always a conversation, you know, what kind of set does a band play for a kind of a mainstream festival? I mean having obviously followed you know jam bands forever, it's like when anytime like fish plays like Bonnaroo or something, it's like, Oh, are they going to like do something for like to bring new people in? And the answer is always no, they're just going to do whatever they want. But there is this idea that sometimes at festivals, bands that come from more niche scenes, you know, like new metal per se or whatever would, you know, do a more populous thing, you know, to kind of reach more, um, maybe new, uh, maybe new fans, but yeah. I do kind of feel bad when a, a band's like, touring obviously f- for a new album and they mm-hmm. just put however many hours months into it and mm-hmm. no one wants to hear it <laughs> like people get kind of like bummed when they say here's a new song yeah and just keep like repeating hey play that old song mm-hmm. yeah i mean if it's i mean you gotta let i i'm of the mind where it's like some people are you know play the hits it's like i and again maybe it's because i came up with bands who kind of actively you know kind of whether it be grunge or again, jam or whatever, like, you know, or I don't know, like this idea, especially in a lot of 90s music and bands, like I like Radiohead, obviously, where it's like, no, we're just going to do what we want, and it's artistic, and you will respect it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you do, if it, you know, if it's like, and it's, I like, I guess I'm just saying I like it when artists kind of don't care, but you do have yeah. to have, like, some, like, crowd-pleasing element, generally. Yeah, that's, that's like, uh, a mix of all of it for sure and then yeah. the, the new songs that no one wants to hear at first in a couple years may be the songs that everyone wants to hear 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a Limp Bizkit album, you know, 25 years in. I don't know. If, I do want to hear dad vibes played at a Limp Bizkit uh, festival. I, I, you know, I, I, I wonder though, you might be, I'm not saying you're even in the minority to say anything about dad vibes. Cause I don't think I heard dad vibes. I don't know. Dad vibes but are good. It's like, it's like, I, I think it's more like, like, even if it's like, there's like, you know, bands are like late period albums, you know, it's like even like good late period albums. There's always like that contingent of people who just want you to like, you know, shut up and play the hits. Yeah, you know, because yeah, like they stop. Be boring for the band too. Like how many? Yeah, can... it's like you, you <laughs> playing the same playing the same set list for thirty years. You know, I will say you that play the this jump time, casino or something. Yeah, the second time I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers, the first time mm-hmm. was at Lollapalooza, so mm-hmm. it obviously was all the hits, and it was like, yeah, really just kind of like shocking how many hits they have. Like every they, they have was they have incredibly third. popular. Yeah. But, um, when they came to Minnesota, it was mm-hmm. I think their sound engineer's last show with them, or some something significant for someone mm-hmm. that you know works with them closely. Mm-hmm. And so they just played I think songs that they wanted to play, and so like mm-hmm. people were upset because some people had waited for however long to see the Chili Peppers. Yeah, they love all these songs that they didn't play. I mean, mm-hmm. they played like really strange songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they. Well, I saw them. Had a really great time. Like, yeah, more fun than at Lollapalooza playing all the hits because they were playing yeah. like, for their who whatever Broski was like. Yeah, leaving them on tour and like just having a very good time with it. So that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Too. I mean, they're also just a band that has fun, but um, more than I don't know. As much as I love Radiohead, like I <laughs> Radiohead, I would not describe as a band that has fun. No, no. Yeah, I remember when I saw the Chili Peppers, and I know we're kind of on a tangent here, but I, they, yeah, they, I remember they played a few deep cuts where I was like, I remember they played like Aeroplane, and yeah, like that's a great song. Yeah, I'm like that's a really great song, and like one I just genuinely did not expect to ever hear live. No, and no, I don't no, know. No. I feel like it's more like you, you're more likely to hear that than maybe some other songs, kind of from that era, because it seems like it wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't quite their their peak. It's more just a weird doing drugs and hanging out in the studio with George Clinton kind yeah, of era. The album does get like overlooked quite a bit, but I, I mean, it, it does a, like uh diehard chili pepper people always. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. Really love it. Yeah. But I was like, I just didn't expect, especially at, like a big, you know, again, like a festival thing like that to hear that song. But yeah, it's always cool to hear, you know, deep, deep cuts, you know, ones for the real heads. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. but if you're a limp, if you're a limp at, at if you're, a, you're really, I guess if you're a limp at Lollapalooza, you're playing for a lot of people who who just don't know. <laughs> yeah. They they might not have heard Break stuff, you know, even though that's probably sold, you know, four million copies or something. You they know, four opened with Break stuff. That was they like did, the yeah. thing ever. That was a serious, serious, <laughs> powerful power move. Um, and I yeah, we can continue to this new album, but the chi- my Chili Peppers anecdote when uh-huh. we saw them at the XL Energy Center, they Josh Klinghoffer played a. Uh, guitar uh, cover of R.I.P. R.I.P. Josh. Yeah, sorry, Josh. Did you hear about his fallback gig? Did you Did you hear my anecdote? Uh, I'm I, I'm I'm going to listen to your anecdote. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what's your anecdote? <laughs> he played "Answering Machine" by the Replacements. Oh, that's cool. Guitar solo. Um, that's cool. So th- I thought that was very cool. Yeah, he's a. Uh... Now you can share your anecdote. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's funny. It's funny. His his fallback gig is. I guess he's now like the second or third guitarist in Pearl Jam. Oh, really? I <laughs> did like, not know that. 
You move from like one of five bands that can like play stadiums to like one of the other five <laughs> bands that can play stadiums. That's just oh, good for him. Yeah, that's He's that's been on quite a ride. Yeah, but that man, he I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Limp Bizkit's new album, mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit still sucks. Uh, <laughs> you said you didn't hear every song, but what did you what did you think from the general uh, yeah. hearing hearing what you heard? Yeah, I mean, what I what I what I noticed it was like. I don't know. I mean, Fred is just gonna Fred, you know. And uh, yeah. that's that. If you if you liked it, you know, back in the day, probably gonna hit some of the same notes. You know, definitely not tasteful. <laughs> I don't, like you know, it's not like you know, you're not getting like you know, it's very direct. You know what I mean? It's not a lot of like kind of subtlety and uh, technical whatever. But uh, man, I, the thing that actually stuck out to me was, I mean. As cliche as it is to say that Wes is like the, the it's like I almost hate like how like the hipster cliche or the rock fan cliche is like, you know, I don't like Limp Biscuit, but man, Wes Portland rips. But man, he kind of rips. He, <laughs> he does. does rip. He totally He's good. Rips. He's a good guitarist, man. And like, he is. That's always been, you know, my. Uh, I don't know. I've always, yeah, I've always definitely thought, you know, he is a good guitarist. But uh, it was like there was some stuff that like, some of the riffs sounded a little like a little fresher to me than I was kind of expecting to. Yeah, I mean, again, sometimes you get like rock bands that are like this deep into their career, you know, and it's like, again, it's like, it just seems like kind of recycled stuff. And I, I maybe, yeah, I'm not saying there isn't any of that here, but it's like, I, it, it was a little more, a little like, especially I thought Wes was a little more visceral at, yeah. at points than I was kind of expecting. I think you can tell that the dude like really is, in, interested in playing the guitar and has maintained mm-hmm. his like creativity uh yeah. even though his like band hasn't been putting out Active, you know, yeah. super creative albums every however long mm-hmm. uh, i thought i thought it was really good too actually um but i mean that that sense of humor and se- self-awareness from a band like limp biscuit is really funny uh i mean it's kind of like album it wasn't like the album was just put out for the sake of like limp biscuit making an album i feel like they definitely put their uh, creativity and effort into it while also like making the joke of like haha limp biscuit still biscuit. sucks we made a new album <laughs> even though like we kind of no one talked about us for like however long yeah it's uh it's i don't know it's like is fred better like self-aware or is that like not that he like i said his fredness is still like on display it seems like but i think but, yeah, i think i think he knows what people like about him which which is like he knows what people like about him and what people don't like about him and he like embraces both of those in his self-awareness i feel yeah i mean but at the same time i'm still like okay this is still like again it's like it's fred durst you know i don't know <laughs> but like I it's it it's awesome it, it feels like, like yeah, a it, fred fan than i ever have been and okay. i've always been a big fred fan it's uh yeah it's, it does seem like i said a little more kind of self-aware and I, I don't know and i'll have to listen to it more to develop a again a more kind of informed opinion yeah. um on it but like there's definitely some people where i'm like a kind of but he also is like you know he's like 50 now it's like <laughs> i i would hope he's more self-aware i hope i'm more self-aware at 50 than i was at 25 or whatever uh, yeah, you know for sure. he's, I, he's, a I, mature, he's a mature guy I, I certainly hope I am more mature at 50 than Fred Durst was at 25. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I well, hope so too, Aaron. I do. Yeah. 
I think he's um yeah I think I uh, seeing the Lollapalooza performance I watched that performance just mm-hmm. in the couple weeks before the album came out mm-hmm. and like watching that performance uh and then listening to the album I felt like they they definitely had the same attitude in mm-hmm. both and I think that was a pretty awesome move to like have the old limp fans watch their like comeback Lollapalooza performance and then be blessed with a new album uh, shortly after they kind of they kind of kept the uh, energy going and their momentum similar to opening with break stuff and mm-hmm. then playing straight bangers through the Lollapalooza set they just kept the energy level high and like uh, kept that limp biscuit mm-hmm. momentum going you know I wonder you know I'm like if I mean, the reunion, the reunion tour circuit is not what it once was five or six or 10 years ago. I think I, I think in 2014, uh, I saw the outcast reunion yeah, um, right around the same time, right around the same time as the replacements reunion, Yeah, probably more. And that was like kind of the tail end of like, you know, like the, you know, band, you know, big reunion headline tour, play the festivals, whatever. And I guess Rage is doing it finally next year, knock on wood. But yeah. I'm like, you know, I saw that like Swedish house mafia is headlining Coachella. <laughs> and I'm like, that. and I'm like, if Swedish, if, if Swedish house mafia, like if there's nostalgia for that, you know what? There has to be, there has to be a groundswell somewhere for, something in this vein i don't know for sure I something that was just missy told me that new metal's coming back the other day i said that it never left but uh, <laughs> there's more hype for it now than uh, i've seen in a while so there's definitely like i feel like there's definitely bands and like artists that like kind of definitely like there's definitely like on i like completely on that like unironically like there are a lot of people that like draw from it you know um like aesthetically and sonically like as much as it is like a punching bag for like just <laughs> dumb elite hipsters like me you know like they, they can't deny i mean i don't know even I mean, if it's not like just, it, it came at the tail end of like a lot of creative uh new types of rock music that people really yeah. liked like that yeah. was at the end of like grunge and like yeah. post-punk or whatever like the early 90s stuff and then yeah. it just towards the end of the 90s yeah. like yeah people were kind of over it, mm-hmm. not not over those types of music but like over yeah. people making these new types of uh yeah well and there's just stuff. yeah and there's so many and then the, the bands in people's mouths yeah well and the bands and like i mean there's there's i don't i mean like don't you know don't tell me i don't know don't tell me you know mud vein is sound garden or something <laughs> you know like it you know there's a lot of, there was there is a lot of very dumb new metal but oh, yeah. i'm saying like there the more especially like i remember like there's that lincoln park reissue last year for whatever their first album was oh, yeah that was and that's like in the midst of like that type of music and would yeah. fall into the broader new metal category yeah it's like even if that's not you know new metal in the strictest sense it's like that that sold like 20 million records you can't tell me that like nobody listened to that and like I mean, you know, and, and like the, you know, those, especially, I mean, I don't know, like that, I don't know, like some of those corn records that are like, that was huge. Yeah. Those bands were huge. And corn records were like yeah. very much a part of that type of music and have yeah. some serious and like, staying power and appreciation. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, and it's like, you can't tell me whether you like it or not. You can't tell me that like millions of people like weren't in some way or another like inspired by that you know like no it wasn't uh it wasn't a flash in the pan by any means 
No, or even if it was in a commercial sense, it maybe had more longevity in terms of, again, influencing people and, you know, people who made music. It's just a thing, you know, when it's like, you know, where it's like, you know, you come out and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I listened to this growing up and in, like in 20 years, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you look back at the things that you listened to growing up oh, and yeah. that were formative and it's like that, I feel like that, I, I don't know, is maybe yeah. more so like that than, than people some people would maybe give it credit for. I think it has a lot of uh, that value, like music that you can look back, like stuff that seems to be just a phase, not to Mm -hmm. use the term, it's just a phase, but like- Just a a phase, mom. That's that's always like the funniest- Um, You just don't get limp. It's like everyone was so into this for like a little bit and it was like kind of cringy, but like everyone really liked it. Like everyone really liked it. Um, Yeah. A lot of people still like it. So that is, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. a camaraderie there for sure too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to take you down a, a journey? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Wonderful. Um, this was a challenge journey. This mm-hmm. was a challenge episode brought to me by Missy, who found a CD at Extreme Noise in Minneapolis. Yes. Good, uh, good, good shop. Shout out to Extreme Noise. Thank you uh, for this little uh, inspiration token that mm-hmm. you have provided to us. This inspiration... Mm-hmm was a CD called Now That's Disgusting Music live at the Sausage Machine. Oh, uh, my God. It was gosh. a dollar at Extreme Noise. Missy found it, um, and we listened to it, and then she challenged me to find my way to Fred Durst from this CD that we found. Mm-hmm. Uh, the is really good. Pretty good. <laughs> um, we listened to it a few times. I listened to it a few times. Does it have, like, a Wikipedia page? It does have a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Oh um, man, I, I think I Dis- found it. Discogs too. Yeah, I found it on Discogs, I man. I Discogs page. I don't know any of this. Oh, is that? That isn't Jesus Freak like the Christian rock song, is it? No, no. It's uh, <laughs> it's all punk and like experimental and alternative mm-hmm. uh, Br- British bands hmm. uh, featuring, as you may be looking at, Silverfish, Mega mm-hmm. City Four, mm. the Honey Smugglers. Uh, none of these bands I had ever heard of or I no. made it uh, too terribly big in their careers, but it sounded really fun. Uh, the Sausage Machine was the, the venue in North London that mm. hosted these events um, for, you know, local bands to promote themselves and just play and have fun as they do. Uh, so it sounded like an awesome time. The Sausage Machine is a really solid venue name. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. There's, isn't there a... Is there like a Primus album about sausages or something? I don't know. It seems like a place that they would love to play or maybe yeah. have played. I was mm-hmm. looking through um, what I could find about the sausage machine and I couldn't mm-hmm. find a whole lot. Uh, but I did find some footage of Magic Hour playing there in 1994. Okay. And this is like a little weird personal connection for me because Magic Hour is a, I think, somewhat of a super group, like an indie super group. Um, featuring two members of Galaxy 500, okay. Damon and Naomi, and mm-hmm. the other member, Dean, when they <laughs> split up. So when they split up, two of them went to this band that played at the Saucer Machine, and the other one, the lead guitarist, and um, a third member of the band went to play with Luna, who mm. we just saw here in Philadelphia cool. on Monday. So Those are, That's a bunch of bands. Those are a bunch of bands that I have always thought i would probably like 
and yeah. are very revered and I've just never fully immersed myself in, but I definitely on reputation and the bands that kind of get mentioned with, I, especially galaxy 500 have always been really curious about. Oh yeah. I think you would really like them. Um, they're a really solid band and Luna as well. And I haven't listened to Damon and Naomi's, um, they have a duet of the two of them. And then they also played in this band magic hour. I haven't listened to them, but just knowing kind of how galaxy mm-hmm. 500 sounds, uh, I think that I'm sure it's really awesome, interesting music. Yeah. So that was really cool to have just seen uh, one third of Luna live mm-hmm. here in person, and then see the other two at this video from 1994 at the Sausage Machine <laughs> in London, England. Um, so that was the the Sausage Machine venue, okay. and mm-hmm. the the CD itself was recorded at a series of concerts put on by a record label called Two pure records okay that's our second step here what do you know about pure records i i know nothing i'm i may do i know anything i'm questioning myself sometimes it's like maybe i'll I'll sometimes sometimes yeah sometimes it's like i don't know the label but like one of the guys was like the sister of the cousin-in-law of (laughs) some guy that was in a weird goofy 90s band that i like i don't know works like that sometimes this whole whole show right is the Mm -hmm. those distant (laughs) connections Mm -hmm. um you'll you'll recognize some of this uh Mm -hmm. information for sure two pure records uh was the label that put on these now that's or sorry now that's disgusting music was the name of the cd Mm -hmm. compilation the shows were at the sausage machine um Mm -hmm. Sponsored, put on by Two Pure Records, which mm-hmm. was formed in 1990, indie label in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, these shows also um, started in 1990. So I'm guessing that the mm-hmm. record label kind of just started from people who promoted bands, worked with bands, um, mm-hmm. and then started signing bands to their record label mm-hmm. in 1990 in London. Uh, most of them are all kind of similar to what to what we found on the CD alternative bands punk bands some Mm -hmm. hardcore bands and like a little more out there experimental music um they reached they reached a certain degree of success rick rubin's uh american recordings oh uh venture started selling their um music in the united states so that's a big big uh you know it's a big it's a big cosign we're uh rick rubin gonna produce uh produce produce uh two pure records artists doing covering classic american standards with acoustic I, i'm trying to make a johnny cash joke here but <laughs> oh, i don't know if it's gonna work cash. yeah because he that was the recording because the america the american recordings all those late period anyway okay well yeah rick rubin um liked what they were doing sold some of their content here in the united states across mm-hmm. the pond um I think it was just run by a, a handful of people, but they they had a some somewhat uh, you know moderate level of success mm-hmm. in the records biz. Um, mm-hmm. They signed the the bands I recognized were McCluskey. Yes, heard of, heard of them, but they are a band that I have definitely heard of, definitely listened to, and could tell you nothing about or what they sound like. They're good. I got into them during a you know whatever <coughs> old hardcore band phase mm-hmm. I've gone through. Um, and they are really solid. Stereo mm-hmm. Lab was also oh, on the cool. roster. Cool. Yep, Very cool. That's really cool. The Fear of Men and Laika, who I haven't listened to a ton of, but I know Laika has toured with Radiohead. Fear of Men mm. has done something. <laughs> um, 
but the the greatest success to grace mm-hmm. two pure records was PJ Harvey. Oh wow! Yeah. Now have, have you are, are you up on the latest uh, PJ Harvey news? I I think I should be because I've been reading about her a bit for this project. But what's what's what news are you talking about? I gotta find the headline because I don't think I'm gonna do this justice. Oh, oh, okay. Is this like a is this a positive negative? It's I I, I don't know. That is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. She's not she's not canceled. Okay. And she is also somebody. She is also to be transparent, somebody who I've always really thought I would like, especially with how well regarded she is as a songwriter. Um, but I guess she wrote a. Uh, she wrote like a 300 page epic poem wow. or something. She spent like years of her life writing like an epic narrative poem. Okay. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know if, I don't know if I would like that. I don't think I'll ever read it. I don't know if anybody will ever read it, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's respect. You I know, mean, that's just, how could you keep track of like where you're going with that? I, I know that's maybe it doesn't have a linear, like, I don't know the way that it goes. I don't know, but I, I have all the respect for people just doing insanely ambitious and probably not financially lucrative things. You know. Yeah, um, I'm sure she could have. Are Are you finding an exact headline, or was was that your? Uh, that's kind of a half. Let me pull up an exact headline. I mean, I've got like the fact that she did that um, has been conveyed to me, and that is bananas. I yes, don't, I don't that, think I would like to read that either. But I mean, one of the things I was going to say about her is definitely how, like, kind of across the board she's been with her mm-hmm. creative works. Um, yeah, she's re- uh, composed songs for Broadway musicals. I didn't know that films as well. Hmm. Um, collaborated with a lot of people, and all of her albums really do sound yeah. different. Um, yeah, I think she really tried to do a totally new mm-hmm. project with every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nine studio albums. Uh, I, I, I this. How long did the poem take? I don't know. She hasn't put out an album in, since 2016. So yeah, I saw the could... demos. I was catching up on her music output. Um, mm-hmm. she did like demos from a bunch of different albums that just came out this year. Yeah. I don't know if that was directly her, like her label. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know putting out more content but that was what you, I know, you don't you know you know what I, you know what i'm here for i'm here for i'm i'm here for instead of a swedish house mafia reunion <laughs> at coachella i'm here for a 300 page narrative <laughs> poem headliner at coachella live reading of this uh, epic this, yeah this epic <laughs> you know that, uh, that's kind of funny because her first album reminds me of cat power Okay. Quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. which is what I was going to say, which is obviously a very good thing because I'm a big mm-hmm. Cat Power fan. Yeah. And one of Cat Power's first like live performances was her repeating the word no <laughs> on stage for like a really long period of mm. time. So that could be like the opener for the 300 page poem at Coachella. Yeah, I think it would it would it'd be interesting to see how long like the the bros, you know. <laughs> stick with it i remember I seeing the two yeah i remember seeing uh two things one was like uh i remember at, at bonnaroo a few years ago to see when i was seeing john prine there were these Ooh. people who just walked out within the first song oh, <laughs> like wow 
and like That's literally, so they, yeah, I know. Literally, just it was we were better off without him. Everybody was better without yeah, him. Yeah, like, for sure. I literally heard him say, "Man, what's this? This sucks." And they walked oh, over yeah. to like Odessa or whatever, get you know, whatever like <laughs> EDM, you know, tank top neon stuff. But <laughs> I also saw a great uh, a great post on social media where um, the other day, and I again I do apologize for rambling. I just that's okay. <laughs> um, there was a. This musician that I follow, um, I can't remember what band, he's in some band, and he was um, posting, like, he posted this picture, he was like, greatest day on the internet, it happened, like, 10 years ago today, and there was this picture of, like, um, Skrillex posting, like, this really beautiful, like, Aphex Twin song, like, on his on his Facebook page or something, and saying, like, oh, man, this is, like, my favorite song of all time, and then, like, all the comments are people, like, I was just waiting for it to drop. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't have enough wubs. I know, There's like no wubs for the. Like, is this like is this is this a joke? Where are the drops? <laughs> I really like Skrillex. I really appreciate Skrillex. I think I, uh, I think I appreciate maybe the idea of it. I don't know if it's ever, <laughs> I don't know if it's ever landed. But anyway, we're, we're, we're at Cat Twin too. Always. Yes, um, we're at Cat Power. We don't need. No drops in a in a PJ Harvey album, I, I would bet. No, no, not that I, not that I've heard. Uh, that's our step number three. We're about mm-hmm. halfway to Fred Durst here. Like oh wow, PJ Harvey, uh-huh. very very diverse collection of music and yeah. uh, accomplishments within mm-hmm. her career. Mm-hmm. Um, like really taking different steps and approaches to every album. But her first mm-hmm. one was called Dry, uh, and that was released on Two Pure. Um, <laughs> In the UK, I think they the everywhere else in the world was uh, distributed by Island Records, which I think she yeah, that's a bigger yeah, that's a bigger imprint. Yeah, they're they're in cahoots um, in some way, but Two Pure was the her her London based label that re- released her first album, uh, which I believe was their biggest hit. This record company we were just talking about. You have to imagine it was based on like I feel like all those other like like I don't know like Galaxy Five Hundred and mccloskey and stuff it's like these bands that were like probably just amazing but like made like two albums max and then just like checked out and like nobody you know yeah weren't weren't necessarily didn't stay yeah or didn't didn't really stay stay around long enough to see their maybe their influence or their popularity you know pj harvey definitely stuck around made a pretty impact um Mm -hmm. and the the biggest song on this album that really kind of uh you know put put two pure records on the map and pj harvey on the map mm-hmm. was this song called sheila nagig have you heard sheila mm. nagig i haven't i haven't i i gotta um, listen to this record it's a it's a very anthemic uh mm-hmm. you know 1992 early ish <laughs> grunge song that pj was you know i think the sixth track on this record mm-hmm. um and it was i think she put it out as a single it was a big hit, and the the lyrics are really about kind of this like her being objectified and mm-hmm. looked at just like for like what her body looks like as a female mm-hmm. by the male gaze. There's a lot of mm-hmm. it's pretty figurative lyrics, but mm-hmm. those are the general themes um, of it. And one of the lyrics that she includes, she says, she says, she talks about her her childbearing hips and like get that man off of me. And mm-hmm. and the the end of the song, she repeats, he said, "Please take those dirty pillows away from me." That's one of her repeated lines. 
mm. is the line of the dirty pillows. Mm. And this line in the song Sheila Nagig by PJ Harvey takes us further <laughs> in our journey to Fred Durst because the line about the dirty pillows, mm. PJ Harvey saying, please take those dirty pillows away from me is a reference to the movie Carrie from wow. 76. Have wow. you seen this movie? No, is that um is that Stephen King? It is Stephen King. Yes, that's important. Oh. that's important. That's an important piece I, of information. I, I you know I I, uh, I I have read uh, more Stephen King than probably any other like certainly any like horror thriller yeah. authors. Yeah, I okay. I went through a phase where I really read a lot of them, but there's so many it's like you can't you can never get to all of them. Okay, that's that's good to know that you've read a lot of Stephen King. Have you? You mm. have not read Carrie, though, right? I have not read Carrie. I don't think. Okay, Carrie was uh. Well, I don't. I don't know exactly when the book came out, but it, mm-hmm. the movie came out in 1976. Uh, from what I understand, it's about uh, it's a horror movie involving a prom mm-hmm. date, prom experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the line that inspired PJ was, I think the the kid wants to go to the prom. She puts on the prom dress, and the mom mm-hmm. says. Uh, like, honey, everyone can see your dirty pillows. <laughs> Everybody will see your dirty pillows at the prom. Wow. And this is a very, very discouraging yeah. the prom dress that the kid has mm-hmm. picked. Uh, you know, conservative, worried, worried mother mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know who ends up being the like antagonist, like horrifying person, but mm-hmm. uh, might have been one of them. But that's where the line came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so PJ kind of repurposed it as, you know, the mom telling the kid to not have people looking at her body or have her body looking a certain way uh, mm-hmm. back in 1976 and then appeared in the 1992 PJ Harvey anthem. That's kind of, it's going back. That's a nice kind of building. This is a, some kind of, I don't know. Like, I feel like usually in the, when we've done these, we've kind of been more in like the late nineties and contemporary stuff. It's yeah. cool to kind of go back you know, and connect these kind of other dots to things that are a little bit maybe more obscure or less familiar or just that happened prior to not that Carrier Stephen King is super obscure, but right. just something that's again a little bit of a different generational reference point. Yeah, it is cool to uh kind of bounce back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. Um, to continue bouncing mm-hmm. uh forward in time from nineteen seventy six. Uh one of the supporting actors in Carrie, uh, the Stephen King novel adaptation was mm. John Travolta. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You know, I you know I got I gotta I don't know where you're going this, this, with this. I gotta I gotta stop you right there and uh, shout out uh, my cousin um, who was in a high school um, his high school play. He was the lead um, in a performance of Grease, and uh, that was uh, was interesting. He John Travolta. Uh, I believe so. Wow. He was, Believe he was, yeah. Wow, so. awesome. leather jacket. Uh, he, he, yeah, he did the whole the whole nine yards. He was the greaser. Yeah. What's their? They have a, their their little uh, crew has a name. Are you thinking of the? I don't think they. Are you thinking of the outsiders? Because I always get those no. confused. No, they're they're greasers in both of those movies, right? I don't think they're called greasers in. Uh, in they, Greece, they appear. They look like greasers, though. They definitely, it's definitely from a kind of a similar time. Okay. Or set, they, set in a similar little, like crew with a. Well, maybe, maybe it, maybe it is yeah. greaser. I, I don't know. I don't know. They did. I don't. I'm, I'm almost certainly totally wrong. But 
Well, definitely shout know? out to Aaron's cousin for uh, yeah. Shout out to Aaron's cousin lead for role. yeah, yeah. Bruce, the musical, absolutely. Has when, yeah. what, is that is that recent? Is there a performance that we could uh, plug? Uh, no, Coachella? I think the, the last yeah, Coachella, baby. <laughs> My cousin, high the Washburn High School, <laughs> high school cast performing Grease in its entirety, followed by PJ Harvey reading an epic poem. Followed by Sunday service, Kanye West. Yeah, followed by yeah, <laughs> Kanye West and Skrillex. <laughs> that would be good. I'd be really into that. I, I'd be I'd be curious. So John Travolta appears mm-hmm. in Carrie. I'm not exactly sure how big his uh, mm-hmm. role is. I don't know. That'd be pretty early for him. I mean, that yeah, was, was that's what that I was, was Grace too. was. I feel like Grace is one of his earlier big roles and that was right around the same time yeah i mean i mean i saw like uh i didn't watch the movie but i saw clips of him and shots of him and he's he's really young mm-hmm. really young hunky mm-hmm. john travolta in this mm-hmm. so it had to be one of his first handful of movies yeah but what came later after many more handfuls of movies in john travolta's very successful career another horror slash thriller film that john travolta starred in in 2019 was a movie called the fanatic have you heard of the fanatic uh, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm really, uh, man, I'm really slipping on my references. Usually I'm pretty, pretty up on all of these. I can't say I have really followed, uh, followed like late period, uh, Travolta. Okay. Um, outside of maybe a few <laughs> movies. Let me look this movie up. Let me see if I remember it. It's very possible. I saw it. Well, it's a, okay. Here, hold on, hold on before you look it up. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to inform you of a, a couple of details about this movie. It was a 2019 mm-hmm. film, horror thriller film. Mm-hmm. It's a stalker film. It's much okay. like Stan by Eminem. Yeah. A song with a famous celebrity and a, you know, main character who really desperately wants to meet them. Mm-hmm. And the celebrity doesn't have the time of day. Can't be bothered by this obsessed mm-hmm. fan. Um, John Travolta's mm-hmm. character, I believe, is meant to have autism or fall somewhere on the spectrum. I actually mm-hmm. watched the movie last night. It wasn't very mm-hmm. good. Um, <laughs> John Travolta trying to play this character, I I don't think it worked that well. Uh, but I, I think he put a lot of effort into it and probably did better than a lot of other people would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's essentially an obsessed fan, uh, stalking, mm-hmm. obsessing over the celebrity who denied him a signature Mm. and very much upset him Mm. the director of this movie of course was fred durst Ah! (laughs) now i know that that's kind of that's kind of a broad uh transition into fred durst just because john travolta is obviously in many movies so just saying that john travolta was in carrie isn't Mm. that close of a you know necessarily that close of a connection to uh, the fred durst uh, mm-hmm. directed fanatic however mm-hmm. there's a bonus twist and that as i'm i'm hoping now that you've read this one um a book called misery I, I i you know what i actually i actually also have not read that one oh, okay um there i i am very aware of it and i will say i i i i there was like a in my apartment there was like a movie and pizza night um so they had they had a few weeks ago and they had um they had misery on the TV. Oh, wow. so I was just kind of I was just kind of eating pizza, kind of chilling and watching that movie on silent. And let me tell you, that was weird vibes. <laughs> That's kind of an intense movie to have it a little. It weird, it you know, really is thing like that. Pizza it really is, and it's like it wasn't. I, I that was definitely not the ideal place to consume it, but 
you know, it was interesting. You could, you got, you got the idea. Yeah. So this, this book, Misery, wait, mm. there's a movie of it too? Oh yeah. It's very famous. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 as a Kathy Bates, somebody, somebody has like there, a few people have kind of their defining role in that movie. Okay. Yeah. Very popular movie. Like many Stephen King's. Okay, cool. Well, that is the bonus uh, connection mm-hmm. here to bring it one step closer to the the carry step that we were just at. Is that mm-hmm. the the fanatic, directed by Fred Durst, featuring John mm-hmm. Travolta, is oftentimes compared or thought to be uh, inspired by Misery by yeah. Stephen King. Misery has a similar plot, obsessed mm-hmm. man, much like Stand by Eminem, featuring Dido uh you know obsessive stalker mm-hmm. plot arc so john travolta appeared in this movie in 1976 mm-hmm. that was referenced by pj harvey in 1994 sorry 1992 and per- just perhaps just perhaps inspired fred durst to make this movie in 2019 that john travolta also found himself in 40 years later mm-hmm. wow that is crazy did you ever see uh, that movie? For some reason, we talk about this kind of obsessive fan. It's not a celebrity dynamic. But do you, did you ever see that movie, like Cable Guy? Cable Guy? Yeah, it's like a weird, like, not I think the it's actor like. Dr. Larry? No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> um, it's this. No, uh, it's not a Cable Guy. It's a cool, it's a kind of a cool, weird 90s movie with uh, Jim Carrey as like a weird, obsessive. Uh, I guess cable guy and uh, oh, oh, he, he so people there. bring up movies about that. Yeah. He plays like one of the more, really one of the more insane Jim Carrey characters, mm-hmm. which is saying something because he's just an insane human being, but Jim Carrey. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I he's, he's, I like uh, Jim Carrey. Which, I, 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 I just watched but, a video of a, another celebrity who has a crush on Jim Carrey. I, it might have been Ariana Grande. I think Ariana Grande really? has a little crush on Jim Carrey, yeah. She is that is cuz she is also insane. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I like him. I, I I like him too, but he is he's definitely got an interesting vibe about him. Yeah, he's Canadian. Is he? Yes, yeah, he's a proud Canadian. You know, while we're talking about uh while we're talking about kind of uh this is also kind of a shoehorn. Um while we're talking about like rap metal and Canadians, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, like like we often are. Have we? Have we I think we got to talk about the new Kid Rock. No, uh, I don't. I, uh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> you do got that. no energy for it. No, I don't want to. Can do we that. just talk about how how like that that particular song features a uh, Canadian band called Monster Truck? Yeah, I <laughs> I, I love that. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe he like it's. Uh, it I can't. That's why I don't want to talk about it is because yeah, it's, it's working too. Like it's it's not. I, I, mean, watched, I watched the video like two or three times. I heard it and I was like, you can't. Like it's just. <sighs> and he has it's like he's been pretty inactive for a while too, right? This is like a pretty uh, who knows? veiled like Kid Rock yeah. money grab you know publicity thing whatever it is it's just like it's like what if ted nugent had an aneurysm and you (laughs) you know i don't know and it would sound something like that but well weird al tweeted um i want to clear something up for those of you like complimenting me on my new kid rock parody Mm -hmm. that wasn't me (laughs) it was it was actually kid rock (laughs) that's funny um oh man 
Yeah. yeah, that's really really terrible. But I won't. He's, I won't. He's succeeding with what he's trying to do. Is the thing like? Yeah, I Kid mean, Rock wanted to like have everyone make fun of Kid Rock and uh, play the song and play the video over and over again, which I'm doing. And now you know maybe. Yeah, I texted my friends. I'm like, that that all inspired to listen to that horrendous song. Yeah, I <laughs> told my all? friend. Oh, I I don't remember, but I I texted my friends. I'm like, this is like this is like this is like that band. Like congratulations, Monster Truck! You just you just score you just you just scored yourself an opening slot at the Crow Wing Brainerd County Fair for the next forty years. You know, like why does he why is he featuring this band? Doesn't he have his own band? I mean, you know, I my question was how how is there a band? It's not like they add that, anything to the. Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he sings. He say the guy sings. I don't know. He but, does sing the chorus. I was like. Um, I, I was thinking, I was kind of like, what are the, like, how is, how is it possible that for 10 years there has existed a, just a butt rock band named Monster Truck and they have not yet found their way into a kid rock song? <laughs> I don't, like, it, it does make me think about whether or not kid rock's whole career is like this cringe lord publicity stunt. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It kind of has really, to be, right? I, in some ways, it, you, I just don't know with that guy. I <laughs> Again, like, at least the dumb early stuff is, like... It kind of fit uh, with, like, the, the rest of the dumb stuff that... Yeah, and it's like, at least this is kind of... At least he had the good decency to, like, steal other people's riffs. You know, I mean, like, that one... The biggest hit is that, like... Well, he likes Warren Johnny Cash and Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, his biggest hit is that, like, Leonard Skinner, you know, and, like, uh, Warren Zevon ripoff, you know, the All Summer Long. and But, the you know, and his other, that one other song is, like, just like that, just Metallica riff. And it's like, okay, at least you had that, like... He starts screaming in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> During the, the Kid Rock breakdown freakout. Yeah. Top 10 Kid Rock freakouts. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah. Um, I'm glad yeah. I don't remember the name of the song, just so that like maybe I, I maybe remember someone who hears this won't be able to find it and yeah. won't you know, yeah. provide any ad money to Kid Rock. But yeah, he had you know he has his own honky tonk. In yeah, I hear, I hear they just got a, in a bunch of trouble for breaking every COVID violation. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you can't tell him what to do. That was like the whole thesis of yeah, the song. Yeah, no, I yeah I know I'm aware of Kid Rock's honky tonk, <laughs> and I. Will not be patronizing it if and when I ever am around it. I I didn't know it existed. Um, I visited Nashville for the first time a couple months ago, and I did want to go in because <laughs> like, what is it like in there? <laughs> I imagine it's just like like a I don't I want to say like a beer commercial or something. <laughs> well, there's like a beer commercial. There's, it's just it's just like a Coors Light. It's just like a it's just like a truck nut. You know, uh, like the embodiment of like a truck nut and like American flag decal. Do do they only play Kid Rock? Do you think, or he maybe his playlist? So Johnny Cash and Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, I wonder if they just play like, I don't know, like it, it just Kid Rock and Ted Nugent. I don't know. It has uh, to be. Do they hang out? I, I mean, they. You, you, I would not be surprised. He might also be from Michigan. Your deep sigh. He Ted might Nugent. also be from Michigan. We gotta, we gotta look this up. We gotta look this Michigan. up. Kid Rock is. I want to see Ted, Ted Nugent. Nugent is, is yeah, one. Kid Rock is definitely from well, if, Dirty D. 
Oh my God, he was born in Redford, Michigan. Ted Nugent. Ted Why Nugent. do I know that? Uh, Why do I know where Ted Nugent and Kid Rock are from? What What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, I guess that is relevant because that that fell into the like really horrendous category of new metal at that time. I mean, yeah, yeah early, early works. Yeah, and it, at least that was like a different spin on it like kind of a different spin on it maybe i mean a different like, like a white more. trash like, <laughs> <laughs> again it's like it's not like it's good but again it's at least it's not like i don't know like creed or what post grunge whatever you know like it's not it's he, obviously he has some level of self-awareness for sure kid rock yeah i don't think he does at this point <laughs> i think so. whatever self-awareness may have been there at one point is long evaporated <laughs> but it, it making a song just as horrendous as the one he just made it is like him like acknowledging how horrendous his whole i don't think so is. it's not it's definitely not tongue-in-cheek it's <laughs> again it, it's like i don't know i ugh, yeah it's just a self-parody. The first time I ever heard of Kid Rock in my whole life, because his name was in the newspaper, and I was <laughs> I was really little, so like I just knew that I liked rock music. I was like, rock yeah. is cool, you know. He's rock, but it's a kid. Yeah, and I said, yeah, I thought it was like rock for kids, and I was like, I'm a, I'm a kid, and I like asked my dad about it. <laughs> it's and my kids, kids <laughs> my dad said, my dad says, oh, he sucks, <laughs> and he was right. Yeah, they yeah. played him on 93X every now and then. So then I, yeah, when I was a little older, I thought maybe he might be cool because. Did you know that cool. first that that first album went 11, 11 times platinum? That album went oh. diamond. <laughs> and grant, granted, that was when the cowboy, the cowboy. Uh, I I think that was on the first one. That was Devil Without a Cause. Oh, uh, I can't remember if Cowboy was. I imagine oh, Cowboy. I can see his like little side profile on that album. Yeah, that oh, opened with. That opened with Bawitaba and Cowboy. So that song was a banger. Bawitaba. Yeah, that that that. If I, yeah, if if it's a shame that his politics and general vibe are so bad because that is truly a very fun intro <laughs> to a song. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So do not search for the new kid rock song do not don't even speak of it even though we just did do search for still sucks by yep. Limp biscuit mm-hmm. fred durst on once Halloween again 2021 fred, fred durst once again on the right side of history he <laughs> always is man he always is uh, i don't know i saw that woodstock 99 documentary and that <laughs> okay i pretty... haven't watched that i cannot <laughs> that's I yeah that's that might be where he is i don't know but yeah <laughs> but um but this this is this is a we were talking last time about how we diss on Fred from time yeah. to time. This is a very pro Fred. <laughs> Although I said his movie was bad, the movie was bad. Well, I mean, like okay, here the 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 best part of the movie the the movie wasn't I didn't think it was that great, but it was completely worth watching because of one scene where the dad is driving his kid around in the car and he like turns around and he says, "Hey kid, you want to listen to some tunes?" You ever heard of Limp Biscuit? Yeah. <laughs> he puts on Limp Biscuit driving this car uh, around the Hollywood Hills, and you, like you hear Fred Durst's voice from the. I do really wonder how many how many people have really made the 
director, like how many like artists have really made that like, I mean, I know there's been crossover actors, even though a lot of times that doesn't work, but like how, how many people have really made that transition from like celebrity kind of like big, big time artist to like big time, like director or something. Uh, And like, I was thinking about Rob Zombie, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen enough of his movies, but he seems like the one that might qualify. I think that they're pretty well received. I don't think I've seen him either. I, I, he said that he initially, he'd always like wanted to be a movie director mm-hmm. like even before white zombie mm-hmm. in his music career. That's just kind of what mm-hmm. ended up happening. I just remember like when I, when I, the, one of my earliest experiences of knowing that that kind of thing was just not going to really work was when outcast made their movie. Oh, it wasn't, and I really, the soundtrack was amazing. Obviously it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. The movie. Yeah, the movie was just like I thought. The soundtrack was like, I mean, I don't know, like it's I not. Wild. Yeah, it's not like a classic. It's not you know whatever a Clemeni or Stank going or something obviously, but like yeah, there's definitely like good songs on yeah. it. But like I think when I whenever I downloaded the Outcast discography on the Pirate Bay, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it, I didn't know it was a soundtrack. Yeah, it's uh, funny. So I thought it was another album, and it did strike me as like this is strange because this doesn't sound like that. <laughs> outcast album album but i I thought it was awesome though i love some of those songs yeah i definitely do too but it's like it's just funny where it's like things like that and that you know they were on their way out and maybe it was just a last ditch creative effort to spark something you know but like they both directed andre and big boy i think i thought they did Uh, let me confirm this let me confirm this that is interesting like i wonder i mean having musical chemistry i don't think would necessarily lead to having no, it's like they're. Well, that's, I mean, that's the main thing, right? Where it's like they're completely. I definitely get like you're an artistic type. You probably, you know, I'm sure they love movies. I'm sure Andre. I'm sure Three Stacks like has. <laughs> you know, I'd love to chat him up about movies. I mean, I'd love I, to I, chat I'm him up. Pretty confident that that guy can do anything. I am too, but <laughs> making a movie is hard, you know. And like yeah. I, and it's like I, I just think that like. They're mostly mostly making a crazy awesome album and making a crazy awesome movie are somewhat distinct. He and made a, he made a TV show also. Andre, a kids show. I don't I don't know if he directed it or produced it, but he for sure had like an Andre three thousand music class like cartoon. <laughs> yeah, and I, he made the theme song for it too. I think. Interesting. Well, so he's been he's he's been uh, he's been around the block. Yeah, I guess my general creative point endeavors. though was that like definitely creative, very creative fellow, but definitely like I feel like there's been a lot of slip ups as far as musicians trying to like make major movies, you know. Yeah. And in my head, I just thought like, man, not that like I have any reason to believe that like Outcast is like. Again, I like people like would make a great movie, but I'm like, you know what, man, those guys are my heroes. They their discography is until the end mostly impeccable. If they can't do it, I don't know who can. Maybe Rob yeah. Zombie. I don't know, but I I would trust Outkast uh, more than mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. more than a lot of acts. But yeah, yeah class of three thousand mm. created by Andre three thousand. I think I remember that. I think I remember that show. Um, yeah, I might have to go back and watch every episode. Uh, yeah, I hope it's available somewhere. 
Andre's only demand was that the show must be set in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andre. I, okay, that, that's actually, I'm sorry, jar my brain. You know what? You know what? Donald Glover, man. I don't know. Um, well, he he was also actor turned yeah, uh, yeah. musical. Y- yes, but he, 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 has, he is one of the people who has undoubtedly done both very successfully. Yeah, I don't know if I would say I actually even like his music necessarily but very successful for sure mm-hmm. yeah that, that movie uh, or that show Atlanta I, I really liked the first few seasons of anyways oh, but yeah, yeah so that, that was a pretty direct memory jog mm-hmm. yeah literally you just said Atlanta <laughs> <laughs> Andre loves Atlanta, Atlanta oh yeah Andre. oh oh yeah I I love Atlanta because I just think yeah it's just yeah it's just so I think like they really like help like inspire the spirit of like like because like I feel like even now like even with how corporate everything is generally in like hip hop and like all genres at like at high levels you know like I still feel like like Young Thug or something and there's definitely some tracks right here where I'm like nah that's too slick or corporate or whatever hmm. like you know that guy there's def- there's some characters that are genuinely off the wall. <laughs> like, and you know what? You gotta, you, you gotta respect the hustle. And I feel like, I feel like in that city, I feel like those guys, like, I feel like they were definitely, well, obviously great musicians, you know, great, very, you know, excellent rappers and narratives and all that. But I also just think they set the set stage for like really weird creative stuff to come out of that you know oh for sure i think they're they're so good at like every part of like what makes yeah. hip-hop good you know yeah like yeah bangers slow uh-huh. songs like you know funny songs sad songs you want to call it like funny yeah yeah everything yeah. all-encompassing mm-hmm. um, and they are they are the first thing i associate atlanta with for sure so if that's yeah. any indication of what the rest of the place is like <laughs> probably pretty awesome yeah uh we've been rambling for quite a long time we, we we have really been rambling here we can uh send send you off by saying thank you fred thank you pj thank you john travolta thank you john travolta thank you andre that's thank my mount that, that's pretty much my Green. that's pretty much my mount rushmore right there is john travolta <laughs> three stacks pj harvey and limp yeah yeah i think so too um <laughs> So thank you to all those people. Thank you for anyone who has taken the time to listen. That was our challenge of getting from the Now That's Disgusting Music compilation CD all the way to our favorite stalker film director, Fred Durst. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope that you had a great time along the way. I had I had the time of my life. I've I, this is, I This is I time of my life. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Time.